0: Repeat after me. I'm going to get closer to Jesus today. I'm going to be strengthened in my faith. I'm going to grow in the grace and knowledge of the word of God. Of Jesus Christ. Grace and peace will be multiplied in my life. Today. Today. Amen. (laughs) All right. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's worthy. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we'll get straight into it. Last week, I was talking about a familiar story to most about uh, David and Goliath. Yeah. is that fun? And, uh, and my brother Joey came to me. He said, you know, there's just so much in that. There's every little thing is this, it points to something else. And see that, that shows me so much growth. I mean, that that's just, when you can read the, the Old Testament and see it through the lenses of grace and see how it all points to Jesus, you're growing up, <laughs> praise God. And I said, yeah, that's, exa- that's for sure, man. You just go on and on. And so I think I will for a minute. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, David, and I'll just assume that we'll just start where we left off, okay? So if if you never heard of David and Goliath, (laughs) you can go back and listen to last week's message. (laughs) Praise God. But we'll just assume that you're somewhat familiar with it. 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where you're gonna be blessed by that. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna turn over there because you know that I will read it. But Samuel, he never thought he was tougher than that 10 foot fella did. He? Nine foot six. That's just. We called We said we'd go ahead and call him a 10 footer. But you know, I could just. I can imagine. I mean, you know, I'm six foot tall and I'm. I'm thinking I'm walking up looking in this guy's belly button, right? and David was just a boy still so I I don't think that he ever thought that he was tougher than this giant he just knew that God was amen Amen. Amen. and that God would honor his covenant with uh with uh, Israel with him and use him to protect his people and to bring honor to his name God's name that is it's always about Jesus huh because God is true to his word. And as the the scripture says in Romans 3, 4, let, let God be true and every man a liar. So God is never going to lie about anything. If he did, this would all come unwound on a molecular level, I believe it or not. So we thank God that he's not a liar. Even when we are. In the natural, that, Goliath, he, he was a giant, big old boy, big old soldier. But in trusting God, he was, he was small. He was, he was just a little bug. He wasn't anything. David was the giant in faith, amen? And that's what won the battle. When we focus too much on our, on our problems and our situations and we overemphasize their power to harm us, It's because we forget who we are in Jesus. Yeah. David was God's anointed king, even though it hadn't manifested yet. But Jesus is the king of kings. Huh? He conquered the greatest enemy that mankind or the world has has ever known or ever faced sin itself death hell and the grave now if you're born again of God you are a spiritual giant I said if you're born again you're a spiritual giant <laughs> thank you <laughs> that's a good good place to shout I, i'm not a I'm not a I'm not very exciting. This is about as excited as I get. Mike Andrew, I guess, in that regard. But, but that's exciting. Amen. I, I used to, I used to be involved in ministries where they had a bunch of hoopers and hollers and table jumpers and all that, and it was fun, you know. I don't like watching all that, you know, but I never forget one of them who was, who I quite looked up to. I really did believe that he was anointed and appointed, um, which I, I didn't about many, but that's not for me to say. Forgive me, Lord. But I never forget the day he told me, the Lord told him to stop it. He said, you stop that. He'd been doing it for 20 years. or whatever. He said, you stop it. You slow down. You start teaching my sheep, and, uh, and he tried, you know, he'd get carried away and wound up, but he, he really did try, and I believe he was trying to be obedient to God, but, uh, you know, we have power as born-again children of God. We have authority that's way stronger and more powerful than anything that we'll ever face in this life, Yeah? But you need to ask God to open your spiritual eyes to help you see who you are in the spirit Amen. that's a good prayer that's fair God is very reasonable you know you might just find out you might just find out that that you you're a spiritual giant that has allowed yourself to be harassed by little dwarfs. (laughs) And I tell you, what that'll do is what it's supposed to do. You have anger for a reason. It's to get mad at the devil. Not people. And when you realize he's the one that's motivated all the ugly in your life and the destruction and the death, you will get mad at him. Your compassion for people will be turned up and your anger for the, the real enemy will be cranked up to, to high. And then you'll become effective for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. You're, a mo- you're more anointed and powerful than, than King David ever was. You realize that? I know he, had, he, he did a lot of wonderful things. But you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you now, don't you? He didn't. He didn't. I think one of the greatest keys get yeah, out your keychain, spiritual keychain. We're trying to fill it up. Amen. One of the greatest spiritual keys to David beating Goliath was his knowledge and faith in God's covenant with the with the Israelites. I started talking about covenant a little bit because it's important that we understand that that we have a covenant God is still in covenant with Israel by the way mm-hmm. <laughs> so so just watch and pray for for Israel as we always should, but watch god is uh God is once again going to show himself faithful and strong um through them in this uh, demonic attack from uh, Hamas and anyone else who comes against them, as a matter of fact. It will be thwarted, believe me. But keep praying for them, amen? Deuteronomy 11.25 says, God said that no one would be able to stand before his people. In other words, that was a promise that he made. To his people, the Israelites. Simple, but powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, in God's word is the power and protection and provision of, of whatever that word says, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Told Peter to come, he walked on water. Mm-hmm. It was because of that word, not because of Peter all, all of a sudden grew some kind of a ski feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, David just took God at his word. He had Deuteronomy 11.25. Okay. God said this. I believe it. This is a promise from God. I'm going to run with it. That's, that's how simple the life of faith is. It's not always easy. You got a world and an enemy contending for your time and attention and to try and discourage you from believing everything that God has said. But David just took God in his word. He said to himself, These are the promises God has made. Based on that, this giant doesn't stand a chance. And he acted on it. That's faith. Hello. Amen. Trust God. And you will not be made ashamed. That's one of the things that I, I found. I found references to that. If it doesn't say it directly, it's about 65 times or so in the Bible. Because so I had to be sure because I was already so ashamed of everything else I'd ever done in my life. I wanted to be made, make sure I got it right with him. That's why I told him, if I'm going to do this, you have to teach me. And he said, okay. Because <laughs> church on every corner, they all disagree. Who am I supposed to believe? Turns out that was a fair question. It was fair. It was fair. It was biblical. And he honored it. He's faithful, even when we're not. Amen. Funny thing, every one of those soldiers in that Israelite camp, Joey, including King Saul, they all had the same covenant with God that David did, didn't they? Yeah. It wasn't any effect. No good. Didn't help them at all. Why? Why? Wasn't mixed with faith. They didn't believe. Huh? Fear and doubt, what we say are the devils, what? Narcotics. We don't deal in that stuff. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Hebrews 4:2, for unto us, Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews said, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Talking about the Israelites in the wilderness, he was referring back. And this is in the New Testament. He said, But the word preached did, did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So just just by believing God's word, David activated God's power in his life. Hallelujah. Saul, Saul had tried to give, King Saul had tried to give, remember he was a big old boy, he tried to give David his armor, didn't he? Yeah. David tried it out for a minute and he's like, no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. David didn't need Saul's armor. It wasn't doing Saul any good. He was hiding with the rest of the Soldiers. <laughs> Jesus plus anything equals nothing he wouldn't go he wouldn't have beat that giant with or without Saul's armor on his own you know like I said you imagine he's he didn't get close to him for starters I mean the guy would have can't imagine the talent and the skill this huge. Soldier had he'd been a soldier his whole life. Saul said he would have just ran that javelin. He would have just skewered old David. You know, I mean, I can't imagine looking at somebody's belly button. I mean, what did he do you do? Go for a, take out his legs? I mean, you know, no. David just uh, went for the knockout. <laughs> One smooth stone. One smooth stone. Yeah. He had five. Talked about being in a good church. You know how those smooth those those stones get smooth, bumping off of each other, water rushing over them. Holy Spirit best place to get all your <clears throat> all your uh, character issues worked out is in church. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Where there's people that love you and can tell you how to deal with it and how to you know confront those confronters and confrontations in love. Amen. Become a smooth stone. But there were five smooth stones at Jesus' disposal. First five books of the Bible, he only used the fifth book. That's the number for grace, Deuteronomy, when he opposed Satan and he defeated him. Those were the stones he used, amen. (laughs) I love that. I love everything about the word. I love everything about Jesus, amen? Amen. God's covenant with you and me is so superior to the one David had, it's not even close. Hebrews 8, 6 says, we have a better covenant with better promises than David did and the Israelites, doesn't it? Look, I told you before, this Bible is a legal document sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ and because of the blood of our beloved God and King, you and I are walking in the victory that Jesus has already won. Now, there's no reason for us to be afraid of our enemies. We have God's covenant promises. Hallelujah. Yeah, one of y'all still working on counting those up for me, right? I think we said it's about 8,000 promises in here. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. We have God's covenant promises. We have God's covenant promises. We have God's covenant promises. Yeah. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Yeah. God's will that I be in good health and prosper, even as my soul yeah. prospers. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. God has not given me a spirit of fear but a power and love and a sound mind. My goodness, I'm a giant killer. I'm a spiritual giant. But it's your believing those promises and confessing them That make the promises real in your life. Or activates them. Or positions you to where you are able to benefit from them. It doesn't earn anything from God. Mm -hmm. Right? He doesn't ever turn himself off. He doesn't ever turn it all off. It's already been granted. The, The promises of God, the answer... For us in Christ are yes and amen. Yeah. Second Peter chapter one, he he tells us again, I'm going to try not to turn over there. He tells us that, that that God has given us these great and precious promises that we may partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world. That's pretty awesome. See, we're, we're, we're in this world, but we're not of it, are we? Amen. So find out. The, the, the point of that is find out what's been promised to you. Get it in your heart. Your identity in Christ. and And, and realize that you are a giant killer. Spiritually. Amen. because all of the the, the promises and provision of God are yours. But he doesn't just do it, does he? For you. He's always looking to find a way to to get the blessings to you and believe me, he he saved my life and plucked me out of things that I, there had to be somebody praying for me somewhere because I sure wasn't doing anything right. So he's He's good, and he's always trying, but there's a, there are spiritual laws that he has in place for our benefit, and if we'll learn to cooperate from them, we'll benefit from them all the time. Amen. What's better, a miracle or the blessing of God? Well, it depends on your situation. <laughs> if you're in a crisis, a miracle's a good thing, ain't it? The problem is what did I just say. It requires to have a miracle. God doesn't want us living crisis to crisis, does He? He wants the blessing to overtake us or run us down and overtake us. You know that 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 Bible verse. It's the same it's the same uh, lingo translated roughly as if like a like a football uh, linebacker chases you down and tackles you. How would you like to be chased down and tackled with all the blessings of God? <laughs> Every day, all day. Sometimes I feel that way. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll drop down on my knees right in my kitchen and just say, Lord, you just, you're so good. You're just good. The challenge is doing that when things aren't looking so good. Knowing that they're going to get good. There are always times of refreshing with the Lord. We have a better covenant with better promises. The favor of the Lord ain't fair, but it's mine. It's yours. But knowing it and believing it. This Bible, do you know what a gift this word is to you? This love letter from God to you? If you don't, you're missing out. I know, mine used to be a a coffee table decoration. Now I got several that I've had to put other covers on to keep together. You, you know where you start finding out. I love Randy's enthusiasm as he goes through the Bible and he comes back and tells me every time he's he's going through it and he sees more stuff and new stuff and he starts, you know, and he starts to. See the types and shadows and all the things we talk about. All the, the new covenant lenses of grace that he's starting to polish up. You know what I mean? I love that. Because that's when it really becomes fun. That's when you really get blessed. When you start looking through the lenses of grace and truth. There are precious treasures in Here that are hidden in here. But they're not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. Psalm 33. Verse 6. Says by the word. Of the Lord. The heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth. All their hosts. So everything that we know. And see. And that, that word for breath there in the Hebrew is the same word for spirit. I'm not trying to be some great scholar or theologian. I, I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. One owns a delicatessen, the other one a laundromat, right? <laughs> but that same word for for spirit And breath are synonymous. The point is, that same word that God used, that same word and spirit, which is what he used to create everything, that's what's available to us, to you and and me as we read our Bible. Now, let, let me just, can I say that a different way, Lord? The same two elements of God His word and his spirit. He created everything. And that's what's available to you as you read the Bible. The same. The very same. The same creative powers that created all things is working in you as you read your Bible. Yeah, 1 Corinthians two thirteen. that we have not received the spirit of the world. See, there is a spirit of the world. How far can that take you? Just to your soulish realm. And to be soulish, does the Bible ever call that good? Nope. We don't want to live out of our emotions, do we? We want to get renewed in our minds so that our soul is obedient to the spirit of God living in us, right? We want to live on that side of things, not on the fleshy side of things. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, but the spirit who is from God, Paul said, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So there it is, the world doesn't understand, nor can they, because they have the spirit of the world, it doesn't understand the things of God, I'll read that to you, actually, and this is what we speak, verse 13, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit capital S, expressing spiritual truth and spiritual words. The natural man does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they're foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. But that's not your problem. You don't have that problem. You have been given the Holy Spirit and with Him comes the ability to understand what God has freely given you in these 8,000 promises. The Bible is not a product of human wisdom. It's truly the word of God. Not about God, but from God. But it must be received in faith. Unbelief is a problem. It can suppress the power it has for your life. Hmm? Which God sincerely wants you to, to have. To benefit from. He loves you. Remember Hebrews two. It, that it, it profited the Israelites, the, the, the covenant, the promises, the, the, the faithfulness of God and everything, the wonderful things that he had for them, it, it profited them nothing. Because God changed his mind? Because God didn't want to? No. Because God is fickle? It's always sad to me, John 14, 27, Jesus had to say, When he was giving us a precious gift of his own personal peace on his last night, peace I give to you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. We know how the world gives sometimes, don't? Take it back. I guess I can't say Indian giver anymore. That apparently, but not. That's what we said we were kids. Strings attached. You know, all that. That, And that's why he said it. Because that's what he meant. He he knew people's hearts. See, people are not basically good. They're basically evil. Mm -hmm. Look it up. Jeremiah, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are born children of Satan, not of God. So when people say, well, we're all God's children. No. You have opportunity to become a child of God because of Jesus. But right now, you belong to your father, the devil. I'm not talking to any of you. but I'm talking as if I were talking to an unsaved person. Now, that's not the way to get them saved. That's the truth, but it's not the gospel. Right? The gospel literally means good news. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So let me get that straight. I don't want to be in those well, <laughs> I can just see it now Well, this preacher. <laughs> I got church hurt. <laughs> I haven't been back to church in 20 years. I heard that Pastor Will over there in Cyprus next to that barbecue place. <laughs> oh Lord. If I ever say anything bad, please do not put my face on God. It's not Him. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. (laughs) Oh. It profited them nothing. profited them nothing, the Israelites. The covenant they had. I'm just belaboring that because it's all about covenant. But the covenant... Is just like the blood in the basin. Mm -hmm. For the Israelites, when the angel of death was going to come through and take all the firstborn, they killed the lamb. Mm -hmm. Jesus, picture, type, and shadow, they captured the blood in the bucket or the basin. The potential for it to save them and to help them was there in the bucket. But it did not help them until it was applied to the place where they lived. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, to translate that loosely or take it from type and shadow to current covenant, the hyssop that it had to be applied to the place where they live, the mantle and doorpost is your lips, your own tongue, speaking and saying what God says about you. What the blood of Jesus has done for you. And is still doing for you. Profited them to nothing. They were too busy grumbling. And complaining. (laughs) Focusing on every problem. I mean I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there wandering around in the wilderness. I don't know what I might have done. Uh, we all like to pick on Peter and those boys and all that. But we don't know. We might have done the same thing. But for cases of just teaching and telling the story, they were just a bunch of negative Nellies, weren't they? They complained about every darn thing. And it, it limited God, didn't it? Psalm seventy-eight forty-one. And you have to look up the correct translation. I don't teach out of the King James version because I don't speak English that way. I speak Texan. but <laughs> but I refer to it when I want to know what something really means or it should say. Make sure that my version is right. You know. What I, mean? <laughs> I told him the second language in heaven, Before I go, they don't like it South Dakota. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Amen. Well, I was having. The, I was having dinner with uh, uh, Scott and Nancy Hinkle and, uh, and a couple other ministers here in town um, on Friday night, Tavana and I and, and uh, one of them was talking about being somewhere, oh, in Africa somewhere <laughs> anyway, they were telling a story about being in a foreign country ministry, and one of them was and, and they and it was one of them spoke proper English. And uh, <laughs> and uh, they, he said, well, what? And they said, well, you don't speak English. He said, well, what do I speak? And they said, cowboy. <laughs> 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 yeah, but out of all the translations, you'll find that where it says in in, in Psalm seventy eight forty one, it says, In the King James it says, "Yea, or yeah, they, they turned back and, and, and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That word limited also is translated provoked or grieved. But in two or three translations, including the King James, it's limited. And that just does away with the sovereignty message, doesn't it? <laughs> we have a part to play. We have a part to play. And that part is just trusting and believing in God. God said it, that's us. Hello. Amen. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why would it say, you know, it's like, it can even do this. You know, when someone says, you know, this thing is so awesome, it can even do this. And it says, it can even, even, even to the, it's such a, it's sharper than any doctor's scalpel, you know. And it's so sharp that it can even, because it has to be sharp to do this. what it's saying. And what is that? Dividing the soul and the spirit. Why? Because sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we say, how many times have you heard somebody say, God said, and you said, no, that ain't God, that's your flesh. And they don't even know it. But the Bible will show you the difference between soul and spirit. <laughs> when when you're reading your Bible, it's reading you too. Amen. Huh? And you need to let it. It's important that you do, because the Holy Spirit, He will, He will lead you. He will guide you. He will help and and comfort you. All through the Word. He's right there. He'll help you make decisions in peace. Now, in the peace of God, supposed to be the umpire in our life, well, the Holy Spirit will help you to do that. He'll rebuke you and, and correct you sometimes. He will. But there's a difference. He will never, 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 never discourage you. He just won't do it. He's an encourager, not a discourager. If he rebukes you or or corrects you, it's 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 because it's important and he loves you. He does love you. And he, he wants only to help you. Huh? Mm-hmm. So as you remain in the word, then faith comes into your heart. But that's the goal, right? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And then that's what we say. Thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words will lead the heart out of defeat and into victory, won't. It? Yeah. Out of defeat and into victory. Yeah. <laughs> Believe in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Believe God's promises within your heart. Say it. With your mouth. Voice activated. (laughs) This is the principle of faith. This is how you got saved. (laughs) You can have what you say. Can't you? Believe you have what you pray for. When you pray. And you shall have it. Seed. Time harvest. You ever seen that movie Face Like Potatoes? It's an older one. You can't go dig your seed up every day to see if it's working. (laughs) Believe in your heart, say it with your mouth. And you're going to have what you say. Not because you deserve it. But because Jesus paid for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't put your confidence in yourself. Your own good deeds. Your own works. Oh I get so. I I, I get really. I could get discouraged. If I didn't know who. I, I, I know whom I have believed. Not what. <laughs> God bless you. Mm-hmm. But so many people, I mean, you leave here today and you you stop and talk to 10 people before the afternoon is over and they, and you talk to them about their salvation and they're going to tell you how good they they try to be, which means that's what they're basing it on, which means you need to invite them to church (laughs) because they're on their way to hell. If you ever stand at the gates of heaven and try to proclaim your own worthiness, you're not getting in. It's all because of Jesus. Think faith thoughts, speak faith words. Man, we're not entitled. And I don't want to be entitled on my own merits. I shouldn't say we're not entitled. We are entitled because of what Jesus has done. So we're entitled to some things. If we respond in faith and stay humble. <laughs> well, that's a big one. Man, if the if the if this generation could just get a hold of that, they they would they'd stop feeling so entitled for, from man, and putting ungodly expectations on other people and on governments, and they start trusting God. That's our job to help them with that. Amen. Paul said in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, in the 12th verse, even though I suffer as I do, he was in chains about to uh, die, I'm not ashamed, he said, for I I know whom I have believed. Not what, but whom. He lived a life of faith. He said, I fought the good fight. And that's what the good fight is, the fight of faith. the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so faith changes hope into reality colossians 1:24 now i rejoice in my sufferings for your sake paul said and in my flesh i'm filling up what's lacking in christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. That's you. That's not just whoever the Pope says. Some of those might not even be saints. A saint is someone who is born again. Praise God. Verse 27. To them, the saints, that's you, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Verse 28. Him we proclaim. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. See, God's great mystery was Christ, His Son. Now He's been revealed to the world, a Savior, a kinsman redeemer, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then right here it reveals even more, an extension in verse 27, of the mystery of Christ Christ. That you and I are now one with Him, Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, you you were in the spiritual seed of the firstborn from the dead, Jesus. So we died with Christ and were resurrected with Him, and and now since you have been born again not of natural or temporal or temporary seed that is passing away, but a spiritual, incorruptible, eternal seed. He is in you, and you're in Him. And now, it's only natural that we manifest Christ to a sick and dying world. That they may be exposed to the author of life and be saved. That's God's desire. Matthew chapter 9, I'm trying to finish. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Oh man, if I go over there, I know what I'm going to do. There's so much good stuff around both ends of that. All right. All right. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 38. I'm telling you all these wonderful things, who you are. What you have in Christ. You're a giant killer. You're a spiritual giant. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? What what kind of response should that bring in us? Gratitude, huh? I I mean, I'm thankful. I'm never going to get over getting saved. And I don't want to. Hallelujah. But look what Jesus is asking you for something right here now. There's There's a call to action. And this is where I was trying to get to last week, if you remember. And I finally got to it now at the end of the message. (laughs) That's because Joey got me talking about David and Goliath again. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You ever heard that? All right, Matthew chapter 9, that's verses 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. You know, you're called to be the salt of the earth. Isn't that what he said in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount? Not the salt of of just your friends and family. The salt of the earth. Luke chapter 6, verse 32 and 33 says, If you love those who love you, well, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And and if you do good to those who do good to you, well, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. We're called to a sick and dying world. In verse 35 of Matthew 9, it continued, he he says, He'd gone through through all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus was mentioned a lot more times teaching than he was preaching. People have to be discipled in this word. Yeah. Otherwise you get you get a bunch of mega nonsense is what you get. Yeah. And the people don't deserve that. No. And healing every disease and every affliction, you see. That's what Jesus did. And he said he only did what he saw his father do, didn't he? Isn't that what the word says? And and he healed everyone according to Acts Mm 10.38. Have you heard? Jesus of Nazareth, He, he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So that's someone who only did and said what he heard his father say and do. So that's the will of the Father. God is glorified through healing and deliverance, not through sickness and suffering. Verse 36: when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd this was the God the Lord Jesus came to me in a dream and this this was the dream of, of my calling I call it when when in the Gulf Royal apartment where I grew up in the, in the, in the, in the courtyard out there I was walking with him and, and I and I was so happy to be going with Jesus and I I felt I felt as if someone was looking at me, or like a tap on the shoulder almost, and I looked back, and there's this large group of people over there, and they were all just looking at us like, what about us? And I wanted Jesus to answer that. (laughs) I wanted him to tell me they were okay, they could go with us, whatever, and he didn't say anything. He didn't even look at them, and I had my answer. If you don't, they won't. So I knew I had to preach this word. I knew I had to try to help those people. Amen. 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 That's what we're called to. Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. I tell you, if you leave here today and talk to 10 people, what are they going to say? Stupid stuff. Thinking that That's how they're getting to heaven. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You don't have to go to Africa, folks. If God calls you there, by all means, we'll help send you. We'll try to. We'll do something. But I tell you what, you're you're living in the midst of a huge harvest field. And he said the laborers are few. There's a lot of ministers, but even in all fairness, it's really not just all on the ministers, even though a lot of them are out of position, I believe, in the body. But, you know, the fivefold ministry, Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to you as a gift to disciple you and raise you up for the work of the ministry. It's not supposed to be all on the, Amen, the preachers. Amen. You're supposed to leave here so excited and fired up about who you are and what you have in Christ that you want to share it for everybody. If you catch on fire for God, the world will come watch you burn. Mm-hmm. Amen. Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus needs us, folks, to help build his church. But it has to be built on Christ, on revelation knowledge from God. And we only get that through relationship with God, through time spent. You can't microwave it with him. Jesus showed us that building relationship with the Father is ascension to receive in revelation. Amen. In Mark chapter 3. <laughs> I really am done. Verse 13 um, through 15. You remember Jesus had prayed all night. I don't think it says it there. It says it in another place. But anyway, he had prayed all night. Believe me, because this is where he chose the disciples. He prayed all night before choosing those disciples. And, uh, you know, he established a, a sort of an order for us for, for a life of victory and, and ministry and revelation power and, and so on. Anyone want to walk in greater revelation from God? <laughs> yeah. It was a rhetorical question, but I did expect somebody to it. <laughs> <laughs> More power from God? Like to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Prophesy? God so you should earnestly desire to prophesy. To have words of wisdom and knowledge, to destroy the works of the devil, to help heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. Spend time with God. Spend time with God. God doesn't have grandchildren. Only children. You have to spend time with Him to see what He has for you. You're His child. You you, you don't have to get it second hand. He has a word for you every day. Every day. And when we get to know Him, we love Him. Because He loves us so much. And He's irresistible. <laughs> and you'll be like paul i know whom i have believed not what huh not a doctrine not theology who i know whom i have believed you be like david confident that the lord will always bring you through the battle and victory You are in covenant. Covenant, covenant. That's a legal binding agreement with God Himself. Christ the Lord is in you. You are a spiritual giant. Just believe God and watch what He'll do. Like that, like that song dancing on the waves. I Dare you today to believe how much God loves you. I dare you to believe how much he loves you. He does. And I love you too. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for all your your love and your word and teaching us and growing us and guiding us. Thank you for your peace, your love and joy, truth. Lord, we just ask that if anyone hearing this message has a need, that you just meet them at their point of need. Help them to reach out the hand of faith and take hold of all the good that you have for them and to believe that it is real and it's for them. No matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, that you're right there with open arms just waiting and you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.